Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Start and end your day with the good news. The good news with Angie Austin. Find the podcast of past shows at AngieAustinRadio.com. Now, here's Angie Austin and friends with the good news. Oh, it's Tuesday, and we always have Pastor Moreland. Welcome. Thank you. Glad to be Thera- here. It's great to have you. I'm Therapist Lisa. Happy Tuesday. And we also have part of my, like, self-help posse. Because I thought to myself, what would be the ultimate, like, team that I could have? It'd be pa- a pastor, a therapist, and a comedian. Right? Right. So right. I have, so I have Steve Mudflat McGrew here. We have to get a picture before you guys leave. Right so is, is this the dream team of radio? This is, this right is the dream yeah. team. I'm, I'm just here to get pasteurized. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard that might not be healthy. Oh, really? Oh, pasteurized. I mean, pasteurized. Okay. I gotcha. I gotcha. All right. Before we get to good news, I just came across a topic that I wanted to touch on you because with Valentine's Day coming, uh, we won't go into specifics, uh, but Steve did have an an argument once with his co-host on the radio about Valentine's Day because she thought it was for her to get a present and he thought it was for him. And since I'm (laughs) friends with her, we won't mention her name, Kelly, uh, but he worked for a long time with Kelly. And so they got into an argument about it, right? About who should do the whole Valentine's Day thing. Well, today I got some really great ideas for Valentine's Day, but I also came across um, something I just wanted to touch on since I normally don't have so many men around. I've got three men in here today with Jorge. Um, I came across an article about research that was in the husband's number one pet peeve. And please don't guess because I'm so fearful of what Mudflap will say. <laughs> Husband's number one pet peeve, according to the survey, was criticism. Oh, what? I want to say something. No, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm not going to guess. Criticism Uh from their wives, like nitpicking, criticizing, saying you're not good enough. Why didn't you do it that way? Could you do it this way? Could you do it that way? And I thought, you know, I do think that in the media, we've talked about this a little bit before, that a lot of times men have become the butt of the joke. Like Steve, in your dad's age, your dad's in his 80s. Right, right. Men were men, and they were respected, right. and they were, you know, and now we like, oh, that stupid dad in the sitcom. And you that's know? why I always, I, I push the thing on, on my stuff um, in my show, remasculate. That's the kind of the, the uh, whole, my whole uh, theme now is that guys need to to remasculate. I think there's been a whole push of of feminizing guys or telling them to calm down or don't rough house and don't talk like that and you know what testosterone does to guys you know what i mean <laughs> right that's right, what it right, does right. that's yeah. what little boys are they're they're little little tanks little machines they just want to wrestle and fight with sticks and and i think that we've become confused i think guys somehow in this day and age have come slightly confused and i do believe that's one of the reasons that guys are growing beards like crazy now is it's to at least say hey I'm a man. Right. Well, with your long blonde hair, I know that the waitress sometimes taps you and says, ma'am, what would you, what would you like to order? And then you turn around and they see your beard like, oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So with that said, I have to say that I feel like, and Steve, I'm interested in how, if you feel you're trapped in this a bit, because Steve's a Christian, but I feel like a lot of people think Christian men, Pastor Moreland, are wimps. And I noticed last week in church, you said during your prayer about you're praying for the men in the church that, you know, we're strong men, we're the leaders of our households. And I feel like 
that's slipping in our society that when you say there was recently um i forget the name of the actress but she said that in the bible it says submit to your husband and every oh you're i can't believe what kind of wife you are and that's so old school and submit to your husband what kind of wimp are you yeah, and that's the girl you know, from we uh, the big pants. bang theory kelly Kuroko, whatever her name and is. And there was another one, too, uh, and I can't think of her name either. But anyway, with it said, they get flack for saying that. And so I think that men are losing that respect, that masculinity, that feeling of we, we're running the house and that now they're, they're the butt of jokes. And as uh, men put it, they're getting criticized by their wives and they don't like the nitpicking and like putting them down. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, I like uh, Mudflap's term, remasculate. I think, uh, you know, I, I, I'm always trying to find balance in the argument, whatever yeah. we're talking about. So I think part of what's what's happened over the years uh, with reference to Mudflap's dad and that generation, I do feel like uh, men have lost some credibility because we have given up some credibility. Oh, right. In many ways, um, we've probably not been as credible in the last couple of generations as we saw in uh, Mudflaps generate or his dad's. What do you generation. mean? Yeah. We've father given... knows best. Remember that? That was yes. that was the old. The shows were like that. The shows but were like father. The name. Yeah, yeah, father knows best. This is the head of the house. Remember, leave it to Beaver. Dad always taught Beaver a lesson. Oh. And then, like TV today, sitcoms, the guy can't do anything right. Yeah, he's always the dummy. All the commercials, he buys the wrong product. Yeah, you know, it's made us look like and act like well. Obviously, you can't do anything. But do you right. think also that's the woman's role too? Like you know where they've changed because like your the shows you've mentioned, the women have yeah. been home cooking and yeah. you know, and now the women are in the workforce. Yeah. So I'm wondering too if with the women's roles changing, has that influenced the men's roles? And, well, and, and, I, and this is where I'll catch grief on this because I'm I'm still I'm the old school. I'm I'm with uh, somebody ought to stay home and raise the kids. I'm, and I think that's one of the reasons we have a lot of problems now is that kids are these latchkey kids. They come home. They raise themselves. They don't know the rules. You know, and I, I used to hear about, well, there's going to be psychiatrists at the school. After something would happen at a school, yeah. there'll be psychiatrists here really tomorrow to talk with you. You know what my right. psychiatrist was? My mom. You yeah. come home from school and you go, how was your day? They called me stupid, you know, and then you had somebody to talk to. I think a lot of kids are are missing that part of growing up these days. Okay, yeah. so I have um, uh, two things to add to that. I heard recently someone saying, look, you don't think you can stay home or rearrange your schedule? Because I've kind of rearranged my schedule. Now, granted, you know, I've been in the workforce a really long time, and I made some sacrifices to rearrange my schedule, but I picked my kids. I took my kids to school this morning. I'm picking them up this afternoon. I took them to swim team last night. I'm taking them to dance tonight, and I work out with them while I'm there. Like, I either walk or, like, the, one of the other extra kids, like, will rock climb or will walk the tread you know the track so i'm with them but with that said i heard someone say on the radio look you do you need the brand new car like my car is 10 years old do you need um to have always the nicest shoes or boots or jewelry could you make some sacrifices and work fewer hours or rearrange your schedule or maybe one person stay home now that might not be possible that might not be like for me right now i can't stay home because i'm the breadwinner while my husband does a startup but with that said you can make sacrifices and not work as much. Or, you know, I just think people want the newest and the best of everything, and then that forces them into both working and having the golden handcuffs. Yeah, I've, I've then, said that to people that say, well, I have to work, I have bills. Yeah. Well, mm -hmm. bills don't magically appear. You didn't wake up and there was a bill laying on your bed. Oh. You create your own bills. If you don't want those bills, 
Don't buy news stuff. News anchor Change and a lifestyle. surgeon. We asked the news anchor friend, do you still have to work? Like you're married to, you know, a doctor. Well, for the lifestyle we want to lead with the trips, you know, overseas, et cetera, we need both of our incomes. Wow. I mean, we're talking multiples of hundreds of thousands of dollars. I'd say seven or eight hundred. But you know what? You also have to change the word. It's not need. It's they want, want it. Right. right. You know, you need to stay home. And like you said, yeah. and raise your kids. That is a need. Yeah. All right. You know? So back up, Lisa. I want to know when you said about, uh, you know, moms working and we we're talking about the changing role and uh, uh, men kind of taking the backseat, not being considered as masculine. And uh, how about in your practice? Do you see men still crave that respect? Sure. If they're not getting that, does, is that destroying relationships? Because I think we need to stop nitpicking our husbands. I mean, I can look right here at my text and I can see what I sent my husband in the last few days. I think you're great. I sent him this morning. I'm proud of, you know, how hard that you've been working to take care of our family. And he's not making an income right now. You know, and so I'm telling him how great I think he is. What if I was saying, I'm tired of working so hard. Why can't you get a job that you get paid? Stop your startup. Go back to work. Take your six-figure salary back and take care of your family. Oh. How do you think he'd feel? Then he's going to find someone who does appreciate him. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, that's the bottom line, you know, because if you don't appreciate him, I promise you someone else will. Yeah. Well, I do appreciate that one of the, like the books back in the... You'll see those old books from the 50s and 60s about, you know, how to be a better better wife right. and all that kind of... That was one of the things I remember seeing as a kid. Compliment. Was compliments. Definitely. It's always compliment, you know, the... Definitely. It yeah. sounds so easy, but so many people, we don't. You know, we take them for granted. So I, I definitely, Angie, I think that's huge in, in any relationship is appreciating the person that you have and letting them know that. Okay, I met with a friend for, Pastor Merle, I know you're chomping at the bit. I met sure. with a friend for lunch, <laughs> yeah. and my friend was complaining about her husband. Okay. And I, she hasn't had lunch with me since, and I'll tell you why. Because I looked at her straight in the face, and I said, do you know how many guys would kill, how many women would kill to take our husbands off our hands? Yeah. I said, your husband is ha handsome. He's a doctor. You don't have to work. Uh, he, he supports you and the kids. You're traveling all the time, and you're nitpicking him when he is so stressed out running his office. And I am telling you right now, if we surveyed you know, and, and brought your husband in here and said, who thinks this guy is a catch? Because he's really good looking, too. You know what I mean? Like, he's got everything. I said, you you got to tell him, you got to appreciate what you have. Because I'm telling you right now, both of our husbands, they're women waiting in line to take them off our hands if yeah. we're not interested in appreciating them. I'm curious to know, what was she nitpicking? Oh, gosh. He'd said something or reacted a certain way. To me, it was something very petty. But she needed to give him a little more leeway because he was stressed out at yeah. work. And that she expected him to be perfect when she stayed at home and was more relaxed. And he's running a practice with a lot of stresses at work. And she spends a lot. And that puts a lot of stress on men. Yeah. I'll, two things I'll say. Um, first of all, going back to the conversation a moment ago, I think society by and large, and maybe women in particular, maybe even some men, don't realize how much men need to be affirmed. Yes. Right. I think we... This is Pastor Moreland, by the uh, way. we got a lot of people here. Therapist Lisa, Pastor Moreland, and Mudflap, and we're talking right now about... I, I guess the pet peeve, men says they're not that they're not appreciated. Men say they're they're nitpicked by their wives, and we criticize them. And I, I agree. Men are criticized too much. So go ahead, Pastor Moreland. Yeah, I was just saying, I wonder if people realize how much affirmation men need. I've seen it. I have seen grown men cry at the hands of a prayer or an affirmation or an attaboy or you're doing okay or you're doing a great job. Uh, and I think sometimes we forget that, right? And so there's good and bads kind of in this man's man's world that we were referencing earlier that the previous couple of generations came out of. They also didn't do that. You know, they didn't accept that, right? And 
and you didn't talk to men like that. And so uh, it kind of came, or at least in my culture, right? So that was seen as weak or, or womanly or I'm a man, you know, I'm a, you know, kind of grunt and call me man. And, and so we didn't do a lot of that. And that creates some problems, right? It creates um, men who were closed off. It created men who maybe didn't know how to communicate very well. It created a generation of men, certainly in my culture, that didn't know how to pass that on to their children, right? So I think there's good and bad. Culture, I'm, I'm talking about Siberia. black folks. Oh, okay. I was like, okay, I didn't know if you are from the South yeah. or uh, talking about black folks. Yeah, talking about so black funny. folks. That's tough. You know, that's, that's one of the battles that we fight. Uh, that I that I have to talk to men in the generation previous to mine and, and maybe two or three behind that, where we have to say, you know, come out of that shell. You have to be affirmed and learn how to affirm others, your wife, your children. I can't tell you how many 40-plus-year-old folks I talk to who never got that affirmation yeah. from their father. They made the bacon, they brought it home, mom cooked it, and they never got that affirmation, and myself included. I mean, I knew my dad loved me. He was a provider. My parents were providers. Uh, but the whole verbal affirmation just was not uh, a big deal in the place and time that I grew up in. Or even if you go on that note, some people growing up without dads in yeah. their life. Oh, that's you know, huge. Who's yeah. the male role model and yeah. right. teaching them how to be a man. It's one of the first questions that I ask when people come in for marriage counseling. Tell, it's, I ask the woman, tell me about your relationship with your dad. And ask the man, tell me about your relationship with your dad or, or mom. Yeah. Really? Yeah, it's one of the first questions I ask. And sure enough, there is almost always this direct link, depending on uh, what you're talking about. You can wow. almost always find some type of, I, I won't say negligence, but something that was missing, missing, you know, some crucial ingredient in their formation that was missing. Lisa, would you say the same? A hundred percent. Yeah. You know, I think with daddy issues is probably one of the biggest things in society today. On both, It uh, goes on both sides, male, female. Yeah, wholeheartedly agree. If, if a daddy's not there to teach you how to be a man, you don't get that. And if daddy wasn't there to show a daughter how a guy should be treating her or the, right. the love. Definitely. I think daddy issue is the bottom biggest problem in the in the country. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And so now the question becomes because one of the things that we saw is kind of the rise of the feminist movement, right? Yeah. Women get in the Believe me, I mean I'm working, I'm supporting my family right now. Sure. I'm all for that. But we still have to remember that men crave respect and women crave love. Yeah. Yes, they both want that, but if my husband doesn't say how great I am and how accomplished I am, I'm cool with that. You know, but he wants respect. Yeah. Yeah. Again, it's back to the whole how do we find balance thing? And I think we've taught this either side of this argument at either extreme when the reality is one doesn't negate the other. You know, women being in the workforce and being CEOs, et cetera, et cetera, that should not take away, uh, you know, the mother's touch, so, so to speak. And That's it should it. not take away, you know, biblical direction that we give about how we relate to each other as husband and wife. And the flip side to that is, uh, men should not be intimidated by be- women being in the workforce, uh, right? By the it way, doesn't I take away from are who you are. Intimidated by successful yeah. women. So I think there's a because balance. When I was in LA on TV, and a lot of the you know anchormen, you know, made a million bucks or whatever a year and drove really nice cars, they had girls coming out of the woodwork. But a lot of us anchor women, like we just were alone on weekends, like a little takeout. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, these guys had girls you know coming out of their ears that wanted to date them. Yeah. But the successful women, it was a little different. It was, yeah. It's interesting. Men are well, still a little. Uh, take, put off by that. Let me ask you the, this this question, and this is not to, to cause ripples. But I, when I was in when I was in college, 
I, I went to college for fine art. This is 1927, yeah, by the way. Yeah, 1927. <laughs> they had a college back then? Yeah. <laughs> and, and I ended up uh, doing cartoons for the college newspaper. Oh, wow. Okay. And my art teacher said, you need to pick one or the other uh, because you need to focus on what you're doing. Do you want to be a fine artist? Do you want to paint? Do you want to that, or do you want to do cartoons? Because you should pick one and do it 100%. Because you, if you don't do something 100%, then you're just not doing it right. Yeah. So I've always had, that, in my head, that has always been one of those lessons to me. It's like pick something and go at it 100%. So when, when you were talking about you know, being a, CEO, a woman being a CEO or a company, of a company, yes, I think that's great, but you should make the decision of what do you want to do. That's always been my, my mean, Between what choices? Do you, want to be a, do you want to be a mom? Or do you want to be a, a CEO? Yeah. That's always been, oh, oh, yeah. been down. my... <laughs> your wife has a successful career, Pastor Moreland. She does. And is very yeah. involved with yeah. your kids. And I feel like I have a relatively successful career. Um, and I spend a ton of time with the kids, way more than my and husband. And I, I agree that you do. But I'm just saying that's always been one of those deals in my head for, from having a teacher tell me that. Yeah. It's like you dedicate yourself to one or the other and be great. Just be absolutely great at the one you choose to do. I'm not sure yeah. that I would fully agree with that. So we have waves, yeah. not ripples here. <laughs> yeah. I think the table is yeah. divided. The three of us <laughs> yeah. on one side and the money on the other. I think you can do both, but I think he's right. But I understand that, and appreciate his uh, point, though. I think I really he's do. right that we should yeah. look at the mothering role and the fathering role, for that matter, as more of a job or something that we should be putting more effort into. It's not a side thing or That's like right. a peripheral thing. Or what or, takes priority. Yeah. You know, you might be a CEO of a company, but, you know, you have a kid who's really sick. Are you going to miss that CEO, you know, that meeting and go to take care of your kids? So I think that's it, too. You know, what is your balance? Yeah, because I, I remember hearing a, a while back about an actress that had a baby, and she she said in a quote in, in her interview that she couldn't wait to get back to work. Oh. And I thought, you just had a baby, and now you can't wait to get back to the— Well, why did you— why did you have the ba- the baby? Yeah. Should the, right. this be the most important thing? Even even at this early stage, I understand a little bit down the road you might be, oh, I can't wait to get back to work. Yeah. But the first thing out of your mouth is, I, I, I'm going to make a I confession here. Get back. I'll get a nanny but and I'll get back to work. Not going to be popular with a lot of uh, moms, but the baby stage, I was not a big fan of. And I know it is, oh, I was so bonded. No, it's hard and you don't sleep and they don't talk to you. Like, I like to have conversations with them. Like, I love being a mom and my kids are crazy about me and I am number one the favorite person in the house because I'm fun and I love them and I'm a good disciplinarian and I am engaged but when they were babies they were like a loaf of bread that cried you know what I mean, <laughs> you know what I mean? and you had to change your diapers like a loaf of bread that went you know that you changed diapers and it cried and you fed it That's you know funny. yeah I do and I, now they're all once they're like two or something they're awesome yeah I have a question for Mudflap right. would you apply <laughs> that standard to the man to to dedicate to one or the other yeah um, oh, yeah, I don't, I don't oh. know because then it goes back to being the guy. Are you the provide? You know, I, I'm so old school in my yeah. thinking yeah. of like these were the roles. These were we knew we knew what to expect of each other. We knew that you know that's the yin and the yang of the you know the the loving. Will the dad just be like, ah, shut up and get back to, you know, you know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. don't talk to the kids like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, so I'm, I'm still confused in the, the way roles 
or supposed to be today. And I think I, I'm kind of the perfect example of the confusion that a lot of people have. Like, I don't know what it's supposed to well, be. You're the, you're the result of confusion. I mean, look at you. I know. <laughs> I know. I do I do think ma- uh, that father's role has improved. I mean, my husband, is he is checked in with the kids. Like, on the weekend, even though he works a ton during the week, like, when we're at swim t- practice and we're when we're at the swim meet this weekend, he's videotaping every race. He's checking in there. You're, you know, your last score was 17 seconds for the 25 free. You need to get 60 or below if you want to win your reward. Like, yeah. I mean, he is there and he is into it. Yeah, yeah. I, I was just wondering because I don't know. And I don't know that I'm confused, as Mudflap would say. Again, I'm back to balance. You know, what's working best in the context of that family, right? What do we do when we've got a father who's sick? What do we do when we have a handicapped father? You know, I, I well, think there's we, so many scenarios. We have to take a break, but one thing I can say is that when the kids come in the room, pay attention to them and put down your iPad, put down your phone. Amen you got to be that. more engaged with the kids. Whether you work or not, you got to pay more attention to them. And when they come in the kitchen and you're cooking, and you just look at them. Look at them. Testify. <laughs> All right. We'll be right back with the good news. We've got therapist Lisa, Pastor Moreland, and also Steve McGrew. Much left. Hear about our victory in Jesus Christ. You are listening to 810 AM KLVZ, God's love in broadcasting. The secret to the Denver Rescue Mission is surprisingly simple. For more than 100 years, the Denver Rescue Mission has been changing lives in the name of Christ. In a world filled with quick fixes, the Denver Rescue Mission takes the time to help rebuild the lives of those torn apart by addiction. They know. Addiction is powerful, and to finally break free of those demons, it takes time and the power of the Lord. That's why the New Life program at the Denver Rescue Mission takes more than one year to complete. With God's redemptive love, anything is possible, and the Denver Rescue Mission proves it daily. Please support the good work done by the Denver Rescue Mission. Visit them today at denverrescuemission.org. That's denverrescuemission.org. Do you need to raise money for your school, your nonprofit, your organization? I have a great idea for you. It's called Buck a Bag. You actually gather clothes and shoes, etc., and for every bag, you get a dollar, and then the bags of goods and clothes go to ARC. Correct. The bags and goods go back to ARC, and then we use um, those donations to sell within our stores that advocate on behalf of people with intellectual and developmental disabilities. So it's a real win-win situation. It is a win-win because I get a dollar for every bag for my school, and then ARC gets money to help the disabled community, and everyone wins. Correct. So if you're interested in fundraising with um, our fundraiser, Buck a Bag program, you can find us at arcthrift.org, click on Mission, and then click on Raise Money for Your Cause, and you'll find my contact information and Lori Weir's contact information. Excellent. So look for Miranda and Lori, and again, the website is arcthrift.org. One in six children in Colorado are living below the federal poverty line, and A Precious Child is here to help. They are a wonderful organization that is devoted to making a positive impact in the lives of disadvantaged and displaced families in Colorado by improving their quality of life. Come on and partner with A Precious Child by volunteering your time or donating funds to assist the children of Colorado to succeed in life, school, and triumph in their future endeavors. They're also in need of donations of gently used clothing, computers, sporting equipment, and shoes. Discover how you can help at A Precious child.org God's wisdom produces behavior that is morally pure, chaste, and modest. God's wisdom produces relationship, not estrangement. God's wisdom does not demand its own way, but rather functions by influence. 
God's wisdom is not rooted in pride, but rather in service. God's wisdom is marked by kindness, generosity, and helpfulness. The wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy, James 3.17. This is taken from God's Way Day by Day by Charles Stanley. 810 AM KLVZ, where love lives. Welcome back to the good news. We have Pastor Moreland, therapist Lisa, and then I have a comedian. It's like my whole support team. It's like what you need to be mentally sound. We're like the view. I want, we are. We're like, we're like the dysfunctional view. Yeah. The dysfunctional Christian view. Uh, I was going to say, have you ever seen the view? Uh, I don't know. We're the Christian view. Yeah. All right. So with that said, we were talking a little bit about dads and parents and the role and relationships. And boy, we covered a lot. Uh, but I did find an interesting... Um, um, some interviews with professional and former professional football players about being a father. Is it a choice or is it um, something that you just naturally have? And they're talking a little bit about um, their own far, uh, fathers as well. Uh, one of them's Kurt Warner. I think one's LeVar Arrington, and then I'll get the other uh, names. But you'll hear LeVar first because his dad had prosthetic legs, and he was so in awe of his father for, like, continuing on in such a strong manner, regardless of his disability. So take a listen to the first clip, and then I'll tell you the four football players because there's four of them. Go ahead. You really figured out at, at, at a very quick age in our home that you just didn't have excuses. So when you committed to doing something, that's what you did. What type of excuse can you give your father when <laughs> he has prosthetic legs and he's getting up and he's walking around, he's cleaning gutters? My dad was cleaning gutters. <laughs> First, he was my biggest fan. He, he always felt like what I was doing was the most important thing. And that's something that I've tried to take and apply to my kids. He didn't say a lot, but you know, you knew how much he cared for you in, in his actions. He sees how I am with my kids and you know, how you know, loving and nurturing I am with them. I could count how many times on one hand, how many times my dad you know, hugged me in public and you know, showed some affection like that. Uh, now he's quick to do it. So uh, it was first LeVar Arrington, then Kurt Warner. Uh, Fred Jackson and Demarcus Ware, and I thought it was Lavar really has like that's really molded him that his dad with prosthetics and he's going to do whatever he needed to do, and he wasn't going to try to like make an excuse. Well, I don't have to do that; I can get someone else to do it. I love that. I interviewed a janitor last week that I, now is going to be a regular in my Daybreak USA show. Saw him on the CBS Evening News, and he said to Steve Hartman, the reporter, "Let me tell you something. If you're going to do a job, any job that you're going to do." You've got to do it right. If it's if it's if it's if it's if you're gonna attempt it, do it right. He said, I'll tell you something right now. If you sit on a toilet that I've cleaned, it's the cleanest toilet you will ever sit on. He goes, Well, I'll take your word for it. <laughs> you know. So when I interviewed him, I said, Why? Why do you care so much? Because he also counsels the kids. He's responsible for turning the lives of so many teenage teenagers around at his school because a lot of these kids don't have fathers at his school. And he he said, All what all I give him is love and I listen to him. And so he's received all these awards. I go, Why do you have such a strong work ethic ethic? He said his dad taught him if it their job. I was worth doing, it was worth doing right. Mm-hmm. I always heard that. If you'll be a ditch digger, be the best ditch digger there is. That's right. Definitely. I think we're missing a little of that now. And that's why I think this, this it's they call him the janitor turned counselor. He goes, I'm the most famous man from Mississippi since Oprah. <laughs> I go, Oprah's not a dude, so uh, you're the most famous man. Yeah. Uh, and I just love that 
boy, when you can take all these kids and get them to graduate and go on to college that could barely get through, you know, ninth and 10th grade, um, apparently the, the counselor who has a PhD in counseling, she's like, well, uh, yeah, you're right. He is better than I am. Is pretty much what she said, you yeah. know, that he can bond with them. All right. So let's hear just a little bit more about, you know, the fathering. And then we'll, we'll address that topic again. Again, professional football players talking about uh, being fathers and what they learn from their own as well. He has a lot of patience and uh, I think I'm working on that, you know, trying to be like him. How do you know that your dad's proud of you? And what does he say? Good job, son. You're the best son I've ever had. But she doesn't have any other sons, so. It really doesn't matter what surroundings you're in to become a good dad. I think it's where you want to be and how you see life. If you see life in a negative light, a lot of things can happen and you can go down the wrong path. But if you can see positivity and sort of blossom into an opportunity to where you wouldn't even fathom where you would end up. You know, being a dad doesn't have anything to do with blood. It's not biological. It's about a choice that you make to to love your children. And what kind of dad do you want to be? This kind. This kind of dad. That's points good. To his dad. Isn't yeah. that good? That's a testimony. All right, here's here's my pet peeve right, at, or right now. They're talking about it being a, a choice and the getting up and being the best whatever, the best janitor, the best NFL football player, the best dad. I feel like we have a mindset now that is like we're just getting by until the good days. We're just living until we get a raise, we get married, we become an NFL player, we become the best pastor, we have a mega church, we have a national show. Why can't we enjoy today? Why can't we find the joy in the midst of our pain? I interviewed um, one of my friends, Stephanie, yesterday, who's in her fourth round of cancer. She just finished chemotherapy, like her 53rd chemotherapy and 19th radiation treatment. She got cancer in her mid-20s. like 28 right now and she finds joy in every single day why can't we find joy in every single day in the midst of the trials in the midst of living i mean it is life so why do we feel like i feel like we're just like only going to enjoy the day when we weigh 119 pounds or when we get the everything's just right like what what's that because i used to live like that hardship like i think you have to have hardship to appreciate. appreciate. It's kind of like you always hear about the, the people that have near-death experiences that come back and just absolutely love life. They're, nothing could be bad. Yeah. So I, I think, you know, we haven't had a lot of the anything bad. Like anybody that lived through the depression just thinks every day is a great day. Ooh, I got a ball of string. You know, yeah. just, right. you know what I, I mean? I have a potato. This, I got a, yeah, you know what I mean? I so think, my aunt, so she said they found one potato in the attic and they were like seven kids and they were thrilled. They yeah. soup. Right. That's what I'm saying. We haven't, I also think, and I agree with that, um, I also think that with the, you know, the Facebook and all the technology, we're constantly looking at somebody else's life and, oh, oh they're, they're doing something better, you know, so I must be missing out on something and I want that. So we're constantly looking at other people instead of just being happy with who mm-hmm. we are and what we have. I think you're yeah. right about the Facebook thing, that yeah. you look at other you people. You said, Pastor Moreland, he said to me once that, like, we, it's that human nature to always want something better and there's that book, Satisfied, and I haven't read it, but my friend said basically, like, I'm eating an ice cream cone, but then Pastor Moreland comes in and his ice cream cone has sprinkles and all of a sudden mine's not so great anymore why can't we be satisfied and enjoy what we have now and like why wait to be a good dad until you don't work as often 
Why can't you be a good dad in the midst of your difficult career? Why wait to be the best janitor or pastor until like this happens? Why can't, I used to dread a lot of things in my life. I had a lot of dread. And so I, I, I had this mantra in my head, find, drop the dread to find the joy. And so like when I would dread going to a speaking event or dread, you know, having a really long day and getting up at 3 a.m., I thought, you know, I heard Joyce Meyer even say, why can't you just enjoy wherever you are and find that joy. And I think so many of us just dread everything. Oh, this, yeah. oh, that, oh. Because um, I, I think we have an illusion as to what joy is and what it takes to really uh, attain it. Uh, and the problem with that is it is not only is it an, an illusion, but it is this ever escaping illusion. We're always trying to get to the next thing the next car, the next, next house, the next job. And the truth of the matter is, and this is true, this is not, in my opinion, my observation. This isn't just a, a cliche. I believe it to be fact. If you are not content with what you have today, with very few exceptions, I mean, right, there's always an exception to the rule, abuse or neglect or, you know, something like that. That's right, different. right. The, your circumstances could be legitimately horrible. Right, right, We're right. We're not talking about the average life of you know, the average person. Right. But generally speaking, if you are not content with what you have today, you won't be content with whatever you think you want. And I tell my congregation this often. There is nothing in life, no person, no amount of money, no object, no nothing. There is nothing in life that I have ever wanted, pursued, and attained that satisfied the way I thought it was going to when I didn't have it. Nothing. Hmm. Nothing. Well, how, how, do you, how do you say to decide whether, like, like you said, I'm happy with my little plain vanilla, but if I hold on another day or two, I might have an extra nickel and get some sprinkles on it's it. It's okay to still strive for better, but enjoy what you have right now. No, like, I, no I yeah, understand, but yeah. what, what, what in your head or what can you say to yourself that makes you okay with... Uh, yeah, Pastor Morlin, pull that out. Yeah. Come on. Do, Don't you, have do you see what I'm saying? What, what, like, uh, I'm going so, to be happy with just what I have right now. Yeah. How do you How do you make your mind and body just be? I'm totally okay and happy with this because I think it's almost like once you once you know a, a joy, you want to feel that that high and that joy again. That's called addiction. In a, in a, in, in a way. In yeah. a way. And it's yeah. a, I think it's the joy addiction of like, well, I'm holding out because I know what this feels like. I know. Like it feels like Disneyland. Like, ooh. Right. Yeah. And if it doesn't feel like Disneyland again, obviously this must not be the right yeah. choice. You know. I, I think a couple of factors. One, when I look at the realities of how most of the world lives, most of us in comparison ought to be able to find a sense of contentment in that. Uh, two, I think it's a choice. Uh, I, and literally, for me anyway, I have literally had to practice it and train myself to say, this is my life, this is my journey, this is my today. And realizing, having spent many years in what we're talking about, realizing that comparing myself to someone else is only going to breed and feed discontentment, uh, and dissatisfaction. I don't want to live my life like that, you know. So I, I think, by and large, uh, it is a choice of how we see the world and, and our willingness to train ourselves in where we are. I think, by and large, it's a choice. Mm -hmm. I think also, like th the therapeutic side, how I do it is be in the moment. Uh, so worry about today and enjoy today. Yeah. You know, because whatever happens today can dictate tomorrow versus I'm going to worry about tomorrow yeah. and not focus on today. You know, so that's, I keep them you know, really in the moment, enjoy that ice cream. What is it about it that you enjoy? So really work on that. Yeah. The other thing, though, I want to, you know, I wonder how much of 
you know, parents feed into the, I always want more. So like your kid gets, you know, a good score in tennis, you know, a good speed in tennis or, or swimming, I was thinking, um, or, or, you know, did beat someone in tennis or has a good grade, but then, okay, well, yeah, you got an A, but you know, you only got a 95. How can you get that hundred? Or yeah, you, you, you beat everybody in that swimming match, but, or I don't know, is but it that wasn't your best you know, But it wasn't well, right. Yeah. Who, you know, how can you get it faster? So I wonder if how much do we as parents feed into that too? Right. Because you want them to strive for the best they can be. And it's interesting you say that because my son is like the fastest uh, in his age group and was like most valuable swimmer, right? So he's 16 seconds to get across the pool. And at, in third grade, he took one breath in his last swimming, one breath in his, whole, his wow. race, right? And uh, he got 16.01, but he wanted 15 something. That's when dad was going to give him the $100. So like the fastest kid in the country, that's a little bit older than my son, that we found is like 14 seconds. Wow. So if he's at 16 and he's almost at 15, we're talking that we're, tr- my husband's inspiring him to try to be like in the range of the, one of the fastest like nine-year-olds in the country if he gets 14 seconds. Okay. But it, is that a little bit too much pressure? He gets out of the pool. He beats everybody else by like half a lap. And he's almost in tears because he didn't get 15 because he wanted the money. Mm-hmm. And yeah. he got $20, right? Because he's very money-oriented. You find like what right. the kids want for their rewards. And I, uh, he loves swimming. And so do the girls. They're all very good. But my husband said, do you think I'm doing the wrong thing by making – he almost cried because he didn't get like the 14-something. Can I offer a suggestion yes. there? Yeah. Oh, I, I could see you giving me that. I could, I, okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, he couldn't wait. We, we kind of had the same thing a few years ago with my daughter. She wanted this phone. And so we set some goals with her grades. And she didn't hit every goal uh, with, with each class. But I was convinced that she had given her – and the goals yes. were really high. Mm-hmm. I was best. convinced she had given her best. Yes. And so we brought her in. We had a conversation about the goals that we set – how hard she tried, and the fact that she did not hit those goals. And we still gave her the phone. So it was it was a great moment because we got a chance to learn a lot about goal setting and you have to work hard to achieve. And generally speaking, when you work hard, you know, the harder you yes. work, the luckier you get. But we still were able to reward her with the phone. So our hope was that that Teacher there was a balance hard. between the, the work best. hard and too much pressure. All right, I did what you did. Okay. I had some gift cards for Target, and yeah. I combined those with Daddy's money. Yeah. Because I said, look, I am so impressed. I mean, you were, I said, you, do you, did you look at the video? I took a snapshot of where he was and the other kids. I'm like, are these worth tears? You, the, it's amazing what you just did. It's amazing. Yeah. And so I said, you know what? You're going to get those Legos because Mommy's got some gift cards, and I'm so impressed by your hard work. So I kind of did what you said because I feel like when they give their best efforts, you know, he he doesn't have to be in the Olympics at third grade. He's got a few years yeah, for them to yeah. play the national. He goes, will they play my national anthem when I get up there? I'm like, yes, they will. Because yeah. I don't want them playing Russia's. I'm yeah. like, yes, they will play yours if you win the gold. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I just think that's a, a great, great way to at least make them think that they have to try it and do the best you can and go, all right, that was your best. Here's, yes. here's your and reward. And I think it's important, too, to know it's their goals, yes. not our goals, because it's like, oh, that's you know, good. That's good really good. Ma- you know, I'm happy for you, but are you happy for you? Yeah. Because oh, at the end of the day, that's what matters. Yeah, how many times did you ever hear a parent go, well, this isn't what I would choose for you, <laughs> but if this is what makes you happy, exactly, uh, it's right. not what I would choose for you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that is a good point, because I do remember my, you guys, my, we just did a little interview with my dad recently where I said he really did instill in me that whole, if you want to be 
um, Miss America, the president, or, you know, a lawyer or a doctor, whatever it is, you can do it, you know, like set your mind to it. And as you put it, Pastor Merlin, you have to have like certain gifts that you combine with your passion and that that's what you pursue. Um, he's like, well, you know, judo, you could use that as your talent at the Miss America because I didn't have, I couldn't sing or do any of that stuff, you know? So I thought, well, I could flip my dad around or do judo for in the Miss America pageant if right. I ever did that. So with that said, I, I love the idea of really when my husband nitpicks him and says, did you notice at the end, um, you, you didn't take, <laughs> he's so stinking good. My husband will find the one thing he did wrong. So our new rule is two things right, one thing wrong. You cannot just give him the wrong. He goes, well, I'm just trying to teach him. He's already good. I'm like, no, two things right, one thing wrong, or one improvement oh, I, that he could I, make. I like that, because you used to hear the thing about always say the the compliment first before you, you know, on a boss, you should say this before you say that. Uh, okay. So I like the two before the right. one. Yeah. That's even a little little stronger reinforcement. I even do that to yourself. Say two positive things about yourself before, because we're so easy, quick to put ourselves down. You uh-huh. know, uh-huh. you know Mudflap does that new thing where he gets up because you're a good comedian, you're very funny, you have beautiful hair. Like he gets up <laughs> Darn and he... people like you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and to your point there about the two to one, um, the studies show if you have a deficit somewhere, um, it's probably going to be a deficit, right? You're, you're going to make very little improvement, that, generally speaking. Okay. But if you take the thing that you are really good at Already. and you feed it, yeah. you're going to become exponentially better oh, well, that's interesting. at that. So I'm wondering, and I don't know how that quite fits into the swimming, but I'm wondering if you guys positively reinforced all the things he's good at. Yeah. Keep working this, keep working this. Yes. Keep, I'm guessing that that would probably – far overcompensate for whatever the little deficits yeah. are. Well, I'm like, you know me, I'm like this, I'm like the smiling sunshine at the swim meet. Everything you did was amazing. You're fast, you're handsome, you're smart, and you look great, you smell good. And you're mine. And you're yeah. mine. You know, and I try to not put that on Facebook, by the way, because I know how sickening it is when the, yeah. you know, when the parents are like, look at my kid, he's the fastest kid here at the swim meet. Oh, you know, I think you I put it up. That. I don't do that. I, I, I just put, it put up. a generic picture of the swimming yeah. pool. That's all I did. Put it up for him. Who no. cares? So fast, I couldn't get the picture (laughs) taken of him in the water. Yeah, put it up. It's an empty pool. That's how fast he was. Be jealous. Put it up so we can be jealous. This is fun. Wasn't this fun? Pastor Merlin, how do people find you in your church? Because it is a great church. Denver Christian Bible Church, denverbible.org or 303-223-6133. And therapist Lisa, how do people find you? Because you are a great therapist. Life Support Behavioral Institute, 888-516-5995. And Steve McGrew, how do people find you? Because you are an average comedian. <laughs> oh, just Google. Just kidding. Hey, you have, Google. A, Google no, you have an, um, a big show this week. I do. I'm at the uh, Oriental Theater here in Denver. In Denver, Oriental Theater. If you're in another market, sorry you can't go. But p- please Google him because, you know, there are some surprises in his show. And I don't want you to be shocked. So watch <gasps> his videos first. <laughs> we'll be right back. Where the love of God meets your life. 810 AM KLBZ. Do you need money for your school or maybe you need money for your organization? I have a great idea for you. It's called Buck a Bag. So you get all the parents, let's say, at your school to bring in clothing and shoes. And for every medium-sized bag, your school or organization gets a dollar. A thousand bags of clothing and shoes, you get a thousand dollars. And then all of those bags of goods go to ARC and all of that money will then in turn help the disabled community. I have Miranda from ARC here. Uh, Tell us a little more, Miranda. Yes, it's a wonderful fundraiser. It's very popular among schools, sports organizations. 
organizations, churches. It's a great way to earn money for your nonprofit organization. So Excellent. collect bags and boxes of donations. Give us a call. We'll come pick them up, count them, and then pay you accordingly, a dollar per bag or per box. It's a great way to raise money for your school or not-for-profit organization. Tell us how we do it. Give us your website and instructions, Miranda. You can find our contact information on arcthrift.org. Click on Mission and then click on Raise Money for Your Cause and you'll find my contact information there. Excellent. A buck a bag. Hi, I'm Angie Austin with the good news. You listen to me right here on KLVZ at 5 o'clock. Well, we are moving. We are now going to be on Monday through Friday on KLTT at 2 p.m. in the afternoon. So find me on AM 670, 2 p.m., the good news on KLTT. Well, if you want to attain your dreams and you want to reach your goals, Carrie Conley is the woman to do it. And we just had a great seminar. Boy, that was fun and we learned so much. We It was a life changer, was it not? It changed my life last year and once again this year. Very inspirational. It's such a reward for me, Angie, when I see people, not only when I work with them one-on-one or in my small mastermind groups, but when you've got 200 people in a room and you can see them, I can see all their faces when I say something or somebody else says something where you can just know that that hit them to the core and they made a huge shift in their life and that's what it's all about. Well you've really guided me in my career achieving some of the goals that you know I had in mind over the last year. You helped me write it all down. If people want to work with you in the future, how do they get in touch with you and how do they work with you on achieving their goals, Carrie? Right. So the best way to reach me is just through my website, infinitenation.com and what I do is run mastermind groups that I bring people into for the year and help them achieve their goals, build their business. Infinitenation.com. Thanks Carrie. Thank you. Denver, this is Pastor John A. Moreland, Senior Pastor of the Denver Christian Bible Church. I'd like to invite you to join us for the radio program of Denver Christian Bible Church on our sister station. That's 1220 on the AM dial. You can find us Monday through Friday from 745 to 815. Again, that's 1220 on your AM dial every morning, Monday through Friday. And if you think we're having a good time on Therapy Tuesdays, wait until you join us as we walk through God's Word. It doesn't get any better than that. Come where the table is spread and the feast of the Lord is going on. God bless you. Christ's love in his word. The new 810 AM KLVZ. Welcome back to the good news. You know, one of my former viewers who I became friends with is Nate Myers. And I thought, who better to talk to us about how the real estate market is hot right now? Nate Myers is with Kentwood Real Estate. And, you know, I have to tell you, welcome, Nate, first Thank of you. all. Thank you. One of my girlfriends said, I just sold my house. I said, it wasn't even for sale. She goes, well, I found out what it, I could make on it. Uh, and it was so much that I decided to sell it. And it sold in like a day. And so they've already like moved. Like it happened like, I'm, it was bizarre. And she <laughs> it's, not as bar- plan- it's not as bizarre as you might think. Well, she wasn't planning on moving. So let's talk about that. Why okay. might people want to sell now? Let's talk about what's hot in the market. Why is it sure. so hot? And what's going on? Sure. There's, there's definitely segments of the market that are extremely hot, very popular right now. And, you know, one of the things that isn't often talked about is, is, is your home ready to go? So if your home's ready to go and it is upkept well and it's priced correctly and you're in the right price range for some of those newer buyers, then you're probably going to have a lot of offers. I'm friends with a lot of real estate agents and do a lot of social networking. And you're very social. You have many friends. <laughs> Extremely social. Yes. And that one really of the, could, should be, if they could just have a job that'd be social guy who knows everyone, that would be you. you. So that's perfect <laughs> with real estate. It is perfect for real estate. <laughs> yes, it doesn't always pay that well, but yeah, that is a great attribute. Um, what we're finding is that within certain price ranges, you're going to have a lot of offers within a very short period of time. So you know, we, you and I talked about that off air. One of the challenges: what do you do with that? But if you are thinking about it, 
and you believe that's something that you need to do, now is the right time to put your mind. And it sounds very cliche, um, but it is. It's a great well, time. I think she was surprised. My friend was surprised at how much they could get for their home and then how much they would make. You know, and that's that's the only reason they sold. They weren't even looking to sell. She just thought, wow, I could really make a lot of money off this. So how do people find out? Like she was told how much she could list her home for. How do people go about finding out what their home is really worth? So call someone. If you have someone you already know, you have a relationship with a current agent, give them a call. If not, certainly call me and be more than happy to talk to you. And get a realistic understanding of the market in your area and a realistic understanding of the value. If it sounds too good to be true, get a second opinion. But if it sounds like it's valid and, you know, if you're going to, if you made 150% uh, from 10 years ago, that may not be true. But if the value is there and you think it makes sense and you get a second opinion and it seems to be legitimate, it might be time, depending upon what you want to do. Do you want to move to move? Do you want the equity? What do you want to do with it? Where do you want to go? I mean, we've, you know, I've talked to plenty of people that said, love to sell and put my house on the market. Where do I go? Yeah. Where do I go? Where do I go? Right. And you do get in that conundrum where you're kind of in between. Mm-hmm. And when you told me that you could give me three and a half reasons you might want to sell, I was like, wow, three and a half. How fabulous is that? <laughs> <laughs> the half reason is where do you go? You know, what, yes. what do you do once you've sold your home? You know, there's, there are so many qualified buyers out there right now that don't have a place to live. We are constantly on the look for the next opportunity in any of the hot neighborhoods and any of the neighborhoods that you may not think are hot. Parker's a great neighborhood. You've got Love the Parker. typical Wash Park and uh, Park Hill, Stapleton. You know, and It's a challenge. Brokers are constantly asking if you know something that's not yet on the market or that's coming soon. And now interest rates, aren't they extremely low right now? They were last time I checked. Um, I can't quote you exactly where they are, but they are very low. Yeah, my husband was mentioning that the other day. Um, Also, um, you know... in today's market, you know, I know when we first listed our home a couple of years back, um, just nothing, just like it just sat, sat, sat months. And then when we listed it the second time, things had just changed and it went like lickety split, but we hadn't changed the price. And like, ah, oh, you know, I know the timing and, you know, all of that. Any other words of advice you would give people in this market right now who might be considering moving, considering selling? One of the things you want to keep in mind when you sell your home is your neighborhood and your school district. I, uh, I know that sounds old school. No, like it's important. Very important. Uh, for example, if you live in the Corey Merrill neighborhood, if you live in a Cherry Creek school district, Douglas County still strong, you know, the list goes on. And that's why it's important to talk to somebody who understands those trends. Yes, absolutely. And uh, yeah, I agree. The school district thing, having young kids, that was one of the big things for me in terms mm-hmm. of buying uh, that I looked into just as quickly as the price. I wanted to know school district. Sure. All right, Nathan Myers with Kentwood Real Estate. How do people reach you? You can, be, you can reach me at 720-281-4436, 720-281-4436. Or you can always email me, angieaustinnews at gmail.com. Thanks, Nate. Thank you. Thanks for listening to The Good News with Angie Austin. Find the podcast of past shows at AngieAustinRadio.com. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.